No, I looked all over. I even considered going just to some random place in, like, Memphis, but no. No, nope. you should fly to Tennessee and then rent a car and go to Pigeon Forge in Gatlinburg and have the time of your life. That's right. Do tell, sir. It is one of the great meccas of tourist trapism that ever existed. If, 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 if you, if you want there, a life of go-karts and miniature golf and weird roadside attractions, mountain coasters, and of course Dollywood, yeah. you must go. Dollywood houses made into haunted houses that are like year-round. Is it kind of like people who think Branson is too classy? Branson is is kind of like low rent. It's it's there's a lot more live action theater happening in Branson. I mean, they have the go-karts, they have all that stuff, but the emphasis is different. Okay. I don't know what Branson's like now, but 30 years ago, Branson was very Hicksville. Uh, I Branson, once went to but a it had Silver Dollar presentation City. that tried to sell us hard on Branson. Oh my God, I'm never going near that place. <laughs> uh, Branson's a tourist trappy. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's got a lot of bad live entertainment. But no, no, Gatlinburg and Pigeon Forge. That co- they're the two towns right next to each other, and they are both ridiculously full of cheap, dumb entertainment. Well, there's one that's not so cheap, and that's the height of, of comedy in Branson. I hope no, he's no. still playing there. I think you know what I'm talking about. Yakov Smirnoff? There, Yakov Smirnoff! What a country! <laughs> Welcome, folks, to Geek Shock number 583. I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. Fact check Dandy. Maple Leaf Matt. And we're here to talk Week in Geek. Oh, gentlemen, uh, we had a, ourselves... Hey, I'm here, too. Those, wait, 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 what, who, wait, wait, wait. No, what, what the hell, we, Todd? What the hell this, do you... Why do you hate our guests? No, well, I expect our guests to have a job. That's all. <laughs> yeah, uh, unemployed, oh, unemployed uh, guests don't get a title. Right. Uh, Right, it's... I have a job, you son of a bitch, you. Thank you very much, Leon Mitt, and you're helping support the server, but don't believe these jerks. I have a job, <laughs> at least for now. <laughs> so... <laughs> Subject to change in a moment's notice. <laughs> it's just the world right now. I know. <laughs> uh, those of us located in Vegas had ourselves a little adventure this week. Yes. We went to go see, I, I want to call it Kong versus Godzilla, because that's, uh, let's put the right name first as far as the focus of the film, but we saw it in the theater. Thanks to our benefactor, uh, 80s Jeff Gunter. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was fun. It was so worth it, too. Uh, the local theaters out here have a, a deal where you can um, book a, a, a private screening for several different films that are playing. Uh, the prices vary depending on whether it's a, a new release or a previous release. You essentially get the whole theater to yourself, um, and it ranges between 99 and 199 That's so, not bad at all. No. And since all of us uh, on the podcast have at least had our first shot, we masked up and went and had our own private socially distanced screening in our own theater. 
How it many was four of you? Five of you? Uh, eight, right? Eight. That's a, that sounds right. That sounds like a lot of fun where you could like talk shit and you know no one's gonna go call the usher to kick you out. I mean, you might call it on Andy, but you know. you're right. It's it's your theater. I mean, it's the Galaxy Theater, and they are you know they they'll, they'll punch you down if you start talking. But hey, if you rented out the theater, they're not gonna kick you out for that. Yeah, and Galaxy's got the the wonderful wide, comfy recliner seats with Ooh, the, yes. the tray for your snacks and your cup holder, and uh just uh, seeing that movie on the big screen that was the for me. I can't speak for the rest of the guys, but that was the first time I had been in a theater in over a year. It just felt like it was the right movie in the right time. You know, if you're gonna go to a, see a spectacle, why not go see Godzilla versus Kong? That's great. So now that we're getting into basically what we did geeky this week, uh, what are your thoughts of uh, Kong versus Godzilla? I enjoyed it. Good, good monster, good monster clash. You know, it's fun. Yeah, I like the part where they shoved the tree down uh, Godzilla's throat. Uh, it was an axe in this movie, Andy. So good try. Uh, I, I haven't seen the new one. Oh well, <laughs> then you don't get to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> It's easy to talk without spoiling it because really there is only one thing in that film that is a potential spoiler before you go see it because <laughs> the movie is the equivalent of going to a wrestling event. You go there to see two big things punch each other for a while <laughs> with kind of barely a kayfabe around it to fill in the blanks as to why they fight. Yeah, it's very light on plot, but... Uh, light on plot? Are you kidding me? It floated away the moment it started. Yeah, I, I mean, but I mean, it had enough of a story to tie the scenes together so that it just wasn't uh, uh, like a, 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 a spectacle of, of calamity like uh, what Kirsten described jiu-jitsu as being. It was thoroughly enjoyable. There's a lot of fan service in it, uh, not just for kaiju movies, but a lot of pop culture movies. I recommend it. I mean, if you've got HBO Max, you've got access to it for the next month. If you feel comfortable and you've had your shots, go see it in the theater. But if you don't feel comfortable, relax and enjoy it at home on HBO Max. You'll still enjoy it. Now, don't get me wrong. It is the very definition of dumb fun, but yes. it is fun. They find stupid reasons for them to punch, but when the punching starts, it's exciting and fun and giggly and... Yeah, just had a ball with it. But if you are going to see it, do be aware there is no post-credit scene. Yes, no stinger. So that was a bit of a surprise, given the last couple. Right, exactly. Uh, but it makes sense because this one is kind of closing out a chapter, and I know they're feeling it out to see how well this does, to see if they even want to s tell another story. But this book ends what they've done thus far, with Kong and Godzilla in their respective movies. I mean, gets doing well respectively in the box office it's doing the best numbers since the pandemic began of any film uh, but of course it's not amazing numbers because it's still pandemic affected they're really paying attention to how many people are watching this both at home and in the theaters and the fact that in the theaters the numbers are good it's possible they might find another another story to tell in there yeah, I have a question about that. I don't know anything about the Toho universe. What What's, like, the next thing? And I realize when I say the Toho universe, I mean cheap Japanese films with guys in rubber suits. But still, 
Yeah, no, no. It, the, the next step is obvious, Barry. It's Godzuki. What is Godzuki? Oh, no. Godzuki, what is Godzuki? Godzuki is to Godzilla films as Scrappy Doo is to Scooby Doo uh, cartoons. I hate it. I don't want to see. <laughs> it was pretty awful. I still remember that Saturday morning Godzilla cartoon, and I I never could quite figure out what the whole oh point God. was. Really? Wow. What is the logic behind Scrappy Doo and Godzuki? I mean, obviously there was some logic because they kept doing that shit. It's the Oliver syndrome. It's yeah, it's the comic relief, the um, the goofy quote unquote sidekick. It's the it's the reason why they in Brady Bunch that they added cousin Oliver in season five. I'm not aware of that. Nor should you be. It it's it was evidence that that show had jumped the shark. That in Greg's orange hair. Uh, but we're getting <laughs> back into the uh, Brady Bunch podcast that. Everybody knows I want to start, so let's start it now. Let's let's talk your favorite episode of Brady Bunch. That's why I brought you on, Barry. Well, what is your favorite episode of Brady Bunch? Uh, that would be the one where Jan learns about cocaine. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> A very special Brady Bunch. A very special Brady Bunch. Jan learns to uh, snort cocaine and shoot heroin into the white of her eye. Mm. <laughs> yes. Now... I have a question for you regarding Godzuki and things like that. There was unmarried with children for a short time, like a little kid that somehow got adopted to the family and then they just forgot about him. What the fuck was that kid's name? His name was a number. It was like five or something. Seven. His name was seven. Yeah. Yes, that was his name. Seven. Seven? They adopted a kid they named seven. Yes. I don't think they adopted. I think somebody dumped him off there. Okay. Yes. I think this I think it was like some happen. distant relative brought him came over to visit and left with the kid, left the kid behind. This definitely sounds like late season Oliver bullshit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Why do when I you do run this? out of ideas, add a kid. That's 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 how it works. Right. That's the Godzuki principle. Apparently. That's the Godzuki principle. <laughs> <laughs> that that is a book title right there. No, it's the little-known Janet Jackson song. So (laughs) when this show runs out of steam, you'll add a 16-year-old girl, and that'll be the Godzuki principle. There you go. (laughs) When this show runs out of steam, uh, that's when the Brady Bunch starts. That's that's how that works. Mm -hmm. What would it take for this show to run out of steam? Clearly not one or two of us dying. I pretty (laughs) much guarantee you would continue. No, when you're all dead, I'll keep running it. Yeah, it's. I, I was gonna say, I, I think it would t- probably take both Todd and I being wiped from the planet before this thing hold, would hold on. Would stop. Andy said that. Says the oldest person in the crew. When you're all dead, <laughs> right? Yeah, but we know he's gonna outlive us all. That's that's just a given. Oh yeah, that's because, this is true. Barry, that's because he's the immor- immortal. He's like he's a the, second Highlander. That was my bad Lambert impression. Kay, don't give me that face. <laughs> <laughs> You 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 have one impression only, and it's Michael Caine. All right, that's it. That's all you got. I want to see the video show of Jeff doing just nothing but bad impressions. I could see that as like a YouTube video, like you know those guys doing like you know fifty impressions in two minutes. Yeah, I could see Jeff doing fifty bad impressions in two minutes. Hey, hey, don't don't give me any ideas, Barry. I still have the uh, the Ugly Couch YouTube channel live, and yeah. and uh, I wouldn't have to fight copyright on that one if I. It's just me doing stupid, terrible impressions. Just fill that channel with bullshit, please. Mm. 
There you go. And monetize the fuck out of it. Yes. <laughs> Every five seconds you get another ad. <laughs> you will be the 2020s version of Lensella's Silly Cinemas. <laughs> I, I, I want to encourage all the all, everyone who doesn't know anything about what I'm talking about to go and Google Moron Movies by Lensella. It was a thing that happened like in the 80s, 90s, and, and it was just like... Uh, on VHS tapes is the only place you could get it. And you get it in your local movie store. Movie store, what do you call it? A uh, video rental place. Yeah, that was a thing. And it's just him doing the dumbest shit. And it's hilarious. Didn't that get a plug jump from Dick Clark's uh, bloopers and practical jokes? Something like that. But it did It did get bumped up when he get, got picked up for Lensella's Silly Cinemas, which was on oh, what was it on i don't know what it was on but it was on something and he always hated that name silly cinemas he he did other stuff after that it was a little more risque but still also funny and low rent so there's my old guy thing for the day now i should warm myself <laughs> some more before i well there's there's your email question for the for the week todd uh have the shock monkeys email us what stupid impressions you want me to try what horrible impressions <laughs> do you want me to God, try? Yes. There it is. Right to us. Shock Monkeys, Comments. it's official. Comments at UglyCouchShow.com. What? No, we don't have a porn channel. <laughs> we have an OnlyFans. It's only uh, Andy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> God. Andy fans. And email us to uh, as to what impressions you would like us to have Jeff do. <laughs> and and good luck to everyone involved. Yeah. And you know what? While we're at it, I'm going to reopen uh, registration uh, for uh, free uh, email addresses at VanillaSlutsLoveChocolateDick.com. <laughs> In celebration. Yes. I do <laughs> own that domain. Go to Still? it. Still? I thought you let yes, that I, one go. <laughs> I did, but I'm never letting go of that again. <laughs> is the episode 500 podcast still up? No, it is not. Well, the Geek Shock Book Club is reading Invincible by Robert Kirkman, the comic that inspired the animated show on Amazon. We'll be discussing that opening on the 8th. Uh, but an excellent, excellent read. So uh, jump on it. It's one I highly recommend. And that being said, what geeky things did you do this week, Matt? Nothing. Now that that's out of the way, (laughs) what geeky thing did you do, Kirsten? I forced Professor Biggs to watch jujitsu. You asshole. (laughs) What a bad friend. No wonder he had to get drunk. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, he was stone cold sober for that one. Ooh, so well, if he wasn't was at the great. start, he was going to be by the end. It was great. He just sat there the whole time, going, "Why are they? What is? What is? What?" So, <laughs> okay, truly a, a a wonder of incomprehensibility. It was very strange. And then he uh, he subjected me to oh. the Invincible TV show. So you know, it was a trade off. What do you mean? Wait subjected? a wait a second. Bullshit. There, there's no way of putting on the scales of justice one side jujitsu and the other side <laughs> invincible. <laughs> you liked it and you yeah. know it. I enjoyed it very much. It was a, 
It was very good. It's very cool. I'm sitting there struggling to remember the damn thing because I read it so long ago while I was sitting there watching that. So, But it was a hell of a lot of fun. It's just it, amazing. It does a really good job in that first episode of selling it as one thing before revealing what it is. Yeah. yeah. In, in fact, until that point, I was literally like, I'm like, I can't believe these guys are recommending this. This is, this is so blah. And I literally was about to just stop it. And, and then I'm like, you know what? I'll finish out the episode and exactly. I probably won't watch the next episode. And that happened. I was like, oh, now I really like this. <laughs> <laughs> we, we we see what turns Jeff's loins. All right. <laughs> and that moment in the first episode was so well done, too. You know, they're playing with slow-mo and stuff like that and everything. That It's just, yeah, that was pretty good. Good, clean fun. And then I went and saw Godzilla vs. Kong with a bunch of nerds. <laughs> pot, kettle. No, there was no pot. Speaking of the uh, kettle... Uh, Barry, what'd you do this week? Well, given it's been a couple weeks and, you know, recovering from the surprise loss of my job to the instant recovery of my job because I never actually <laughs> lost it, assholes, um, most of what Deb and I both have been doing for the past, like, three weeks is being stuck in this rut because we're sick to death of staying home. We're sick to death of the same crap on Netflix and Hulu and Amazon and freaking stars and HBO and Xbox Game Pass. And I've reached a point in my life where I have just strained to think of something new to build in Minecraft. <gasps> I know. Ooh. And we'll stare, we'll gaze into the fridge at dinner time, hoping to find something but nothing sounds good and the deep ennui has set in and uh, every day is the same as the last and all my nice clothes are gathering dust and I have blankets of despair resting like sedimentary layers on our lives and I'm trying to shake that off because I just got my second shot Woo! Yay! now I will be able to lick toilet seats <laughs> you, you, and, uh, you and Steve both <laughs> yep that's right. Thank I'll you. go right to the double down and eat a seven-course meal on the bathroom floor. It'll be great. But uh, as for geeky stuff, it's true. A lot of the stuff is getting old. I'm playing a lot of just dumb games on Xbox Game Pass, playing like Stellaris and stuff, and just sinking into the same stuff. But I did find a couple things that we're both really into. One is Staged on Hulu. You should watch this. It's David Tennant and Michael Sheen, and they're on their second season, and it's them just trying to survive the uh, the pandemic, trying to find a, a way to uh, rehearse this show. And uh, they never rehearse the show. They just talk, and it's hilarious. Uh, wow. David Tennant being a Doctor Who at one point, and Michael Sheen being a million other characters. Uh, brilliant actors. Even Dame Judi Dench is in it. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's like a half an hour show. Check it out if you can. I also recommend this new show we literally caught last night called The Bifarriners. Uh It's a Norwegian show, so it's subtitled. Roll with it. It's good. The people from the, past, from the Stone Age and from the Viking Age yes, and from the 19th century are just appearing in modern day. And they got to – people do shit with them. Um, it's, uh, it's good stuff. Uh, I definitely recommend it. Um, fuck you, Todd Bristow. 
So Very while I'm talking, fair. everyone, Risto, Torgo, asshole, you know, those are interchangeable. Just texted me a little little fun little little thing that says with it with a with a the seascape in, at night and it says, I'm sorry you lost your job. Yeah. <laughs> asshole. So what do you suppose that show is actually called in its original Norwegian? Because hearing you, hearing you, hearing you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whatever, it's good stuff. And it's an English little... pun that wouldn't make any sense. So really, that's all I've been doing and just waiting for the time where I can go out and do geeky shit. And soon, <laughs> at least two weeks from now, I will be reopening HoustonDungeonMaster.com for people who want to do live gaming. Wow. So, yes. I got some people who've been asking, man. People who've been chomping at the bit to play some game. And there are people doing it out there who have been unvaccinated. Fuck those people. I will be fully vaccinated when I do it. You know me, I'll do it right. Jeff, what'd you do, Gigi, this week? Well, speaking of uh, actually going out and doing stuff again, uh, in addition to seeing uh, Godzilla vs. Kong, I also went out after that and saw Nobody, which is the new movie starring... Bob Odenkirk of Mr. Show fame. Oh, how was that? It was really good. I really enjoyed it. The, the premise of the movie is Bob Odenkirk plays a guy by the name of Hutch Mansell, and he is kind of this milk toast character. He's very kind of blah, has a normal everyday routine that's very normal-ish. Goes to work, comes home, spends time with the family, and then and they actually uh, play that up in the in the first part of the film where that's it's literally the same routine over and over again. Then it turns out he apparently has some kind of military training. Chaos ensues from there. I don't want to say too much more about it, because uh, that's about as much as you'll see in the trailers. But it's got a lot of fascinating action scenes, a lot of humor, fun, fun film. I uh, enjoyed the hell out of it. So definitely where recommend I this streaming. Uh, it is unfortunately not available streaming just yet. Uh, I believe it'll be coming to one of the streaming services soon. I just I remember yesterday reading an article saying that it would be um, in the very near future. But as of right now, it is only available in theaters. All right. And then I also watched the season finale of Resident Alien on Sci-Fi this last Wednesday. I love that show so much. And they did get renewed for a second season. So very happy to, to see that. If you have not watched this show yet, you must. Alan Tudyk is amazing in it. All the supporting cast is amazing. It's not just a comedy. It has some really nice drama and some really nice dark moments throughout the series that, uh, if, like I said, if you haven't seen it, you must check out. If you have Peacock, uh, especially if you have... Um, Many of the cable uh, companies that, if you have cable still, give you Peacock for free. So the entire 10-episode first season is available on Peacock as of right now. So you can watch it. I don't believe it's loaded with commercials on Peacock. I think it's maybe one or two commercial breaks throughout the whole hour that it runs. So, well, I guess it's 44 minutes, I believe, is the the full episode runtime. So yeah, I, I it is so. definitely worth your time. Cause uh, I, I finally gave John wick a shot. Nice. Really? I finally watched John wick. Uh, my, my mistake was watching it on Peacock. 
Oh, oh dear God. Yeah. <laughs> it had a bunch of commercial breaks through the whole thing. And of course, if you watch Peacock, like all streaming services, when there's commercials, they show you the same ones over and over and over again. Yes. So it does kind of break up the tension and the high octane pacing that that movie has when you throw in a the same Allstate commercial or the same State Farm commercial over and over again. Mm. Uh, but I did see John Wick finally. I enjoyed it. A very competent throwback to the 80s revenge style, revenge porn film, for lack of a better word. Um, uh, but done with a lot of style and even more so a really interesting world building. So I am curious to see more films in that series just to nope. see how that world that just this world of of criminals that just exists on the surface of everything well don't worry they ever... definitely downplay it after that it gets much quieter and it's much less uh, over the top in the second and third one shut up <laughs> <laughs> yeah the opposite of what andy said have you ever played the payday series of games uh, familiar with it but not played it because payday 2 oh my god uh John Wick is in the damn games, <laughs> and it ties right into it. It's good stuff. Speaking of games, I started playing Immortals Phoenix Rising, uh, Ubisoft Triple uh, A title. Uh, it's basically Ubisoft trying to make a Zelda Breath of the Wild of their own, mm-hmm. and and they succeeded doing it. It's kind of impressive in that regard. Uh, the basic. Uh, idea of the game is that you are a Greek hero. The Greek gods have all been imprisoned in various ways from a, a titan that has decided to take over the world, and you have to go release all the Greek gods and you know, g- generic Greek mythology setting. Uh, but graphically beautiful, and the sense of humor sets it apart from most other things. The The basic over idea of the game is that it is being st- spun as a tale f- from Prometheus to Zeus. Prometheus is still chained to the, the rock, but is telling Zeus the story about this hero that is, go- that is rescuing all the gods to uh, gain his freedom from getting his liver eaten all the time. So the game that you're playing is a story that's being told by Prometheus. So when Zeus decides to interject, he kind of changes the story every now and then. And it makes for an interesting idea. The combat in the game is very, very fun. The exploration is nice. Uh, The puzzles, uh, sometimes they're great, sometimes they're tedious. But it's that action platformer that dates back to the Mario 3D style of gaming uh, with a lot more combat to it and a lot more uh, platformy puzzles to it. Uh, worth, a, worth a play. Uh, I will probably finish it out. It is a big game. Open world, but not open world in the way that you think of an open world game because it is an action platformer. It's about going to places and doing puzzles in those places or trying to reach certain heights to gain things to upgrade your character. But the uh, combat is a lot of fun, and it's a very, very cartoony style that really fits the humor of the game. Definitely worthwhile. Andy, what'd you do this week? I watched The Irregulars. I watched the first episode of that. And uh, I don't have a ton to say about it yet because it's definitely interesting. I don't know if it's going to pan. I'm not not sure if it's going to pan out. It's it's definitely an odd mix. It's sort of set in an alternate Victorian England that's much more... uh, uh, diverse 
it's got a lot of supernatural stuff in it. Uh, I was surprised that the first episode actually resolves the first mystery. The first thing they have to deal with, the first foe they have to deal with. I, I assume they were going to drag that out for several episodes, but that one is taken care of in the first one. So, so far, it's been kind of like a monster of the week thing with, uh, you know, overarching mysteries. It's, it's the irregulars are the Baker Street irregulars from Sherlock Holmes. Uh, but again, it's an alternate reality thing, alternate uh, Elseworlds. It's sort of an Elseworlds thing. And uh, the Watson character is kind of a dick. I mean, he's he's hiring them to take care of some stuff, but uh, he's doing it in a really dickish way. And he, he looks like he's a creep. He's, in fact, he's such a dick that I'm actually wondering if it's going to be revealed that it's actually Holmes. But I'll let you guys know when I get a few more episodes down the line. But it's 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 definitely different. And where are you watching this? I think it's on Netflix. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, the Baker Street Irregulars are the the uh, the pack of street kids that Holmes uses as spies, and this is sort of the beginning of that. But it's also uh, one of them has weird connections to the supernatural. So again, it's an odd one. <laughs> and I finally bit down and watched goddamn Artemis Fowl. Oh God. Oh, oh my. Pain. That the bad, pain. huh? The pain. Oh. Yeah, well, it is a, it's supposed to be a kid's movie, so are you saying it's just not a good kid's movie, or it's just definitely not a movie for an adult? It's not a good movie for Artemis Fowl. Uh, I'm a big, big fan of the books. It's visually beautiful. I mean, their, their art director should should be knighted for this. I mean, the, the, it's visually, it looks great. And actually, the actors are not bad. A lot of the problem is in the writing and probably the the many multiple hands involved in organizing it. But what they did was they took, they decided they had to introduce every character that appears in the books in this first movie. Uh, and then they stapled together two major books that aren't, in, they aren't sequential at all uh, and added elements of other stuff. And it's just way too much going on. And there's not enough time for any character development because they've put in every goddamn character in the thing. So it's Spider-Man uh, 3 syndrome. Yeah, I mean, and also, I mean, the uh, uh, Dame Judi Dench is, is wonderful. Uh, they've gender-swapped her, and that's not a problem. I have no problem with uh, Commander Root being a woman. Uh, but Commander Root in the first book should be terrifying. Commander Root should kind of be the person that the... Uh, well, the the first book is Artemis Fowl is a criminal mastermind who's uh, smart enough to figure out how to. Well, he's 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 a kid enough. He's a young enough to person to believe in fairies, and a smart enough villain to uh, blackmail the fairies. He gets hold of a a, 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 a blackmail device against the fairies and is trying to get them to do stuff. The first book is. Swips, switches back and forth between chapters from his point of view and from the fairy world point of view. And and so that would have been fun to watch him actually do that, but they don't. Yeah, uh, I mean, in in the book, it goes back and forth, and at the end of your, your, by the end of each chapter, you're really rooting for the protagonist of that chapter, then it switches back to the other point of view, and then suddenly you find yourself rooting for the other protagonist. Because they've shortened everything, because they've combined everything, uh, it's, it's basically Artemis Fowl versus uh, Holly Short, who's a member of Leprechaun, the uh, fairy police. You're not selling this so far. 
Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm trying. I'm because because the thing is so bad. I mean, the 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 movie is so bad. I'm trying to pull out the good elements of the first one. It's two very smart and and powerful protagonists bouncing against each other. And by the end of the first book, spoiler, because it's spoiled the middle of this movie, they reach sort of an uneasy truce and they sort of are working together on stuff. But the main character is a criminal mastermind. In the movie, he's kind of a criminal mastermind, except really he's stealing. It's become Warehouse 13. He's stealing powerful artifacts to keep them away from people that shouldn't have them. But you don't get to see him steal anything. And and in the book, he is straight out of criminal mastermind that slowly over the book sort of you know, becomes a little moral and becomes a little more uh, rounded. So but they yeah. try to make him rounded from the beginning and that. Oh, absolutely. And also, he's also like, he's also very emotional in the beginning. He's, 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 uh, he, he shouldn't be emotional. He should be, it should be, it should be a, a young Benedict Cumberbatch playing it. And it's just, you know, yeah, so screwed up. Visually ah. beautiful. Absolutely visually beautiful. Can't do wrong with the uh, Dame Judy Dench. Um, True. Uh, what's his name? The the guy, the actor that everybody hates, is playing the dwarf. Uh, shit. Talk amongst oh, yourselves. Are you talking about Peter Dinklage? No, 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 no. Let okay. people love Peter Because um, I have noticed there's a lot of Peter Dinklage hate lately. I thought maybe that's where you were going with that. Which he is an amazing actor, by the way. Why do you hate Peter Dinklage? I don't know. There's just a lot of hate going around on the internet saying that he's a terrible actor and everything else except for Game of Thrones. I, I tend to not pay too much attention to the trolls, so I tend to skip over those kinds of comments. But uh, well, yeah, it doesn't, just it doesn't help that he chose to do Pixels and uh, Knights of Badassdom, you know. Which, well, Knights of Badassdom is not great. It's also not the worst film I've ever seen. You're right. That's Pixels. That's Pixels, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Andy? Andy. Sorry. You failed. You really needed to find this actor out, huh? Josh Gad. Josh Gad. <laughs> oh, God. It's Josh Gad. <laughs> yeah. And it's only Steve that hates him. No. Uh, I dislike him as well. As much as I dislike Jack Black. Oh, uh, what's wrong with he's, Jack Black? Ah, uh, he's just older Josh Gad. So Josh Gad is not great in the role. And they use him to death they actually create a uh, a uh, a bookend they can create a bookend thing where it starts out with him talking and he's basically narrating the whole thing and it keeps cutting back to him and then it cuts into the end and it's like yeah he's not playing that part well enough to be doing anything extra especially not narrating but yeah i mean like i say the visuals are great the, the stuff they show him doing is great the, all the cgi uh mulch diggums is the character's name and yeah, unfortunately, Disney has it too. So nobody's going to take it and do a better version of it. Nobody's going to take it and make it a series and stretch it out the way it should be, or at least do you know one movie per book. And there's like eight or nine books. I mean, so they just punted all. This is kind of like when Disney destroyed Stranger Tides by buying it to be part of the uh, uh-huh. Pirates of the Caribbean thing. It's like I really wanted to see this book done well. All right, gentlemen, let's get into the email here. First off, dear gentlemen of currently separate couches, since the Mm. release of the so-called Snyder Cut, I have been slowly getting more annoyed at people's discussions of it. The main issue I have is that people keep referring to the Whedon Cut. I'm not defending Whedon here in any way, but there is no Whedon Cut. There is a studio cut. 
A lot of things people are leveling criticism at Whedon for the redesigns of characters, CGI, Steppenwolf, etc. The removal of Darkseid and others were things that Snyder had signed off on while he was in charge. This is not the movie Snyder was going to give us originally. That movie would have ran at two and a half hours maximum because that's what the studio wanted. I very much doubt his original movie would have worked much better once 40% of it had been edited out. That being said, I think it's good that this exists, and I think it should happen with every movie from now on. Release the movie to cinemas, video on demand, then 6 to 12 months later release a special edition Blu-ray of the director's full version. Everybody wins. The studio gets to sell the same movie twice for very little additional outlay, and the director wins because they get to show people what they truly intended the movie to be. Uh, Sorry that this mail was so long. Feel free to edit it how you like, and we'll just call it the Torgo Cut. Thanks for bringing the funny. Yours, two is one. I, I understand the, the, the rant of, of calling it the Whedon Cut when, yeah, it's really a studio interference cut that happened before Whedon was even brought on. I, I understand that. Uh, I, I think people calling it the Whedon Cut just helps differentiate it quicker. When you're trying to talk about the two different versions, you can say the Snyder Cut and the Whedon Cut, Whedon cut uh, or you can say the Studio Cut kind of would make, mean the same thing. I I agree that in a perfect world, I would love to have a director's cut of just about every movie that's out there. However, it does come with an expense each time that probably would not be worth the cost put in for how many sales they would receive. Uh, the Snyder Cut is a, a separate thing. One, it's it wasn't given a Blu-ray release, and it may eventually get that. It was a spectacle created to sell a streaming service because they knew there was enough of a people hollering for the the quote-unquote Snyder Cut. And I don't believe at all, for one, that what we saw was originally the vision that Snyder had anyway. I was just going to say that same thing, too. Yeah, anybody that thinks that this is the original Snyder Cut is fooling themselves. This is Snyder, several years removed, revisiting all the footage he shot and going, Okay, this was my original vision. And everybody changes as they go forward, especially after a tragedy. So, mm-hmm. yeah, this as as different of a film as it is, I I do not believe at all that that was the his original vision in its entirety. I think it's his vision now looking back on it. Do we have any idea how much it cost them to do the Snyder cut? What, what how much money went into new shoots and that kind of stuff? Um, I can't remember the exact number, but I think it's around fifty million, isn't it? Yeah, I, I heard anywhere between fifty and sixty because apparently the studio gave him an initial amount, and then they gave him more as the um, word of mouth kept spreading, and they kept getting more subscriptions. So they haven't officially released exactly how much it cost him to quote unquote finish his his version. And that being said, is there a way to figure out if it made his money back? Um, (laughs) well that's got to be tailored in subscriptions to HBO Max and it's it's, it's hard to uh, without some severe polling that everyone's involved in as to saying why did you subscribe to HBO Max there's no way of knowing whether that was what brought in subscriptions or not I would hazard a guess Andy that they probably made more than that back with the added subscribers um even just look back at when Star Trek Discovery was first announced. They had essentially paid for the entire first season 
before they ever shot a single scene because of how many subscribers that they were getting in anticipation of the series coming out. So, But you really think that many people subscribe to see the Snyder Cut? Oh, Man, yeah. I know a lot of people subscribe to Disney to see the WandaVision. For every type of, I don't know if you want to call it subgenre, there is a massive fan base. And I like it, but there is a hardcore, dedicated fan base to the Snyderverse. They subscribed in droves to HBO Max just to see the Snyder Cut of Justice League. It would not surprise me that HBO more than made back their money on that expen- that initial expenditure. And the, those fans uh, paid uh, Warner Brothers back by trying to tank the reviews of their next big release yes. because they weren't going to make more movies that they didn't deserve. So that's not big incentive for a company to do this again mm-hmm. <laughs> when it comes down to it. It, it's, it. it was a one-time event, and frankly, they're... They they made money with the subscriptions, certainly. Uh, but they also got punished for it by the fan base for not making enough of it, I guess, is the... Even before that, I seriously doubted that there would be ever anything like this in the future. And even more so now after the, uh, the man babies decided that uh, they were going to try to tank all future Warner Brothers films until they <laughs> released the Snyderverse. That, that's the, the hashtag. <laughs> Uh, You'll never see this with Marvel. Just saying. <laughs> oh, Just please. Saying. There is toxic fandom in Marvel as well. Quit pretending like it doesn't exist. I'm not saying there isn't toxic fandom. I'm saying you're not going to see this bullshit happen in Marvel because Marvel doesn't, you know, suck. Hulk movies. I don't care if it was Fox or Sony or whatever. Hulk movies. Shut up. There Sit are some there. things that Marvel's done that have been very questionable, like Cloak well, and Dagger. Now, now, now when I bring up uh, an example, now you suddenly Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, what okay. example did you bring up? Daredevil. But in, in case of toxic fandom at Marvel, um, hashtag Brie Larson. So yeah. There you go. Yeah. Uh, Perfect yeah. example. Thank you, Kay. I don't even know what the hell you're talking about. Uh, just search the hashtag, Barry, and you'll find plenty. Oh, no, no, no. See, that's the problem. Don't go on the internet. That That's yeah. a place of awful. Don't go down that <laughs> rabbit hole. No. Ugh. Don't, don't listen to other... Other people are crap, dude. No, no. Who <laughs> like Brie Larson? Dude, fuck you. It was fine. Uh, next piece of mail begins thus. So I'm about halfway through the Dying Earth book by Jack Vance. And I have a question for anyone who has read it. First off, has anyone here read Dying Earth? Yeah. So it continues on. Does Cudgel the Clever remind anyone else of Master Torgo? (laughs) 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 You guys talk about how he's always screwing over people in games, and so now I see Todd when I picture the Cudgel. My other question is, how often does Todd succeed? If he fails a lot, then it really does seem like Cudgel is Master Torgo. Uh, that was written by Ma- uh, Matthew Bates. Never fails. He always screws us over, and, and we yeah, always two out of three times. <laughs> and we and we often see it coming, and still can't stop it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He only is a if... garbage person. <laughs> also, <laughs> only only if the uh, rules allow for it. 
Also, or, and in most cases, in most cases, the, that is the rules of the game. There, there's a betrayal mechanic in there. Of course, Pit aside. I was going to say, also as evidenced by Pit, he can find new ways to fuck people over. So, Kirsten, does Cudgel remind... Does that work, the, the comparison? Uh, yeah, it does work. I think, however, Todd, you'd, uh, you'd be a little horrified because uh, Kugel is definitely self-absorbed. <laughs> and doesn't care about anybody. He's not. He's not doing it for fun. Uh, he's 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 doing it because it just it screws over everybody. Ah! In one story, he rescues a woman from something. Now we're we're talking about early twentieth century pulp. So sure. you know we're we're already in in weird territory you know, with uh, a female character, and he rescues her. But at one point, uh, he runs into a guy. I don't remember specifically the scenario, but it's kind of a, 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 a toll-to-bridge scenario. He's like, he's got to get past this guy, and he's got to keep moving, and he just gives the guy the woman he rescued. Oh, geez. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's and problematic. And the woman's just like, what are you doing? I need your help. I blah, 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 blah. And he just like, yeah, here, have her. And then he just moves on. And I sat there reading the story, waiting for it to get back to the story of that woman. And it did not. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, so, so you know, I'm, I'm, I'm meta thinking here. Is, is this like somebody he was dating and put her in the story and then they broke up? And he's like, fuck it, she's gone. <laughs> I have no clue. <laughs> But, you know, I mean, I could see Todd doing that to, like, Andy, right? Sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm disposable. Everyone knows that. Hell, I give Andy away if it gets me across a bridge, you know. But um, <laughs> it was interesting. I mean, the, the, the story, Vance uh, characters can be interesting. Kugel is probably his most, uh, his most complex one in dying earth but um you're really reading the lyric prose you're really reading some excellent incredible i mean he puts even ray bradbury to shame in terms of just being utterly beautiful in his writing is it kugel or cudgel c-u-g-e-l all right yeah yeah so the answer is yes but no uh right the frightening thing about Kugel is he is he is Master Torgo with no moral compass. Ooh, even wow. I don't like that. Yeah, <laughs> even Barry's ass puckered. <laughs> yeah, you're getting really close to Barry level now. <laughs> <laughs> I've come to terms with this. It's all good. All right, gentlemen, let's go ahead and find out what happened in the news. Let's do some news you don't give a shit about. <laughs> Andy sounds like he's, like, taking a crap. <laughs> well, at his age, you know. <laughs> That's his, all his cover it, it's, Andy it's sounds like he's worry. taking a crap. <laughs> it's, it's always the worry when, when you push that hard. That's right. You can, especially if you have 40 pounds of uh, impacted uh, poop in your colon. Like Elvis. Wait, wait yeah. is that what you have? Quit eating cheese. Again, Andy sounds like he's taking a very painful bowel movement. And again, I did. Now <laughs> <laughs> so you do on our little break. You take. Uh... Oh no, no! Right here in the chair, I'm sitting again. This room smells terrible now. 
<laughs> some and very angry dump. It's <laughs> dripping down his forehead. Yeah. Do you put newspaper down before you sit for the show? Uh, no, I just use uh, I use one of my dad's shirts. He doesn't know. Oh, oh okay. Christ! News you don't give a shit about. Warner Brothers has announced that they are shelving two DC films that have been in development. They are no longer moving forward with director Ava DuVernay's adaptation of New Gods or James Wan's Aquaman spinoff film, The Trench. The studio released the following statement. It, quote, it became clear the upcoming DC slate did not have a natural spot for New Gods or The Trench over the next few years. With New Gods, it's said that the film would have told a sprawling tale, but it, quote, was complicated by the fact that its villain Darkseid just appeared as a major foil in Zack Snyder's Justice League, and there was a desire to have space between the latter and any new appearances. In response to the news, DeVernay shared on social media, Tom, I loved writing the New Gods with you. I'm upset that the saga of Barda, Scott, Granny, Highfather, and the Furies ends this way. Diving forth into Kirby's fourth world was the adventure of a lifetime. That can't be taken away. Thank you for your friendship. Uh, as for the trench, the report says that Juan's upcoming Aquaman sequel will be enough for the franchise for now, but Warners could come back to it down the line if there is thirst for more adventures set in the Atlantean kingdoms. It was also considered a possibility for streaming, but is more of a standalone story rather than having a strong tying into Aquaman or the rest of the DC universe. So was the trench not an actual Aquaman story? It's like Atlantean story? Uh, if you remember the Aquaman movie, all the 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 horror of the creatures in the trench when he went uh, down deep into there, it was going to be basically a horror film about those creatures. Oh, yeah, yeah I don't give a shit about that. <laughs> uh, it is interesting though that uh, this whole new uh, new gods thing with uh, Dark Side being part of uh, the last of the Snyderverse, uh, taking the sales out of this uh, New Gods experiment. And it's Weird. kind of a shame, really. I think that's a uh, convenient excuse, but that's a tough story to sell. That is a very weird and complicated story. True. Maybe they're intimidated by the Eternals. Maybe they're based... intimidated by the fact that the Marvel Cinematic Universe, when they make a movie that's, that's <laughs> somewhat ancillary to the rest of the MCU, is still actually a part of it. You make the trench... And movies like that, it better tie in to the overstory. If it doesn't, it's just a side story, and that's all it'll ever be, and it's like a waste of time. Why would I be now interested in this if I can watch the main story, you know? Well, this I, is where I, DC falls down. I, I hate to come up with the example, there. Well, you're wrong on that, but goddamn New Mutants. <clears throat> New Mutants is not part of the fucking MCU. It was retconned into it. They were talking about and he doesn't. That's uh, well. All right. Yeah. Yeah. No, they were trying. To, they, were, they were talking about making that. At one point, they were talking about making that a uh, part of the actual MCU. Yeah, but they did. They, did. they didn't. But they didn't. Okay. So that's yeah. all right. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! What talking else? You got? Oh my goodness! Talking out of my very filthy ass. Sorry. Um, god, quit shitting in your dad's shirt and bring some shit to the show that is relevant. Ignore Barry's last comment. Please do not bring any shit to the show. Just, <laughs> I just want to lay that out in, in the, as part of the rules now. <laughs> just Don't to be sure. sure. Weekend Geek! 
That wasn't much uh, horrible stuff at all. I love it. Just, just, just a little moose boosh of <laughs> poop in a shirt. A little moose douche. <laughs> Netflix has paid four hundred and fifty million dollars for the rights to director Ryan Johnson's next two sequels to his murder mystery film *Knives Out*. Johnson will return to direct Knives Out 2 and Knives Out 3, and he will re-team with Daniel Craig for the films. Craig will reprise his role as private detective Benoit, is it Benoit, Benoit Blanc? Ben, yep. Benoit Blanc. Yeah. When previously talking about Knives Out 2, Johnson explained that Detective Blanc will have a whole new case to solve, and it will feature a whole new ensemble cast. So fans of Knives Out, not only you getting good sequel, you get two. Nice. I can get behind it. It was a delightful little film. I really yeah. enjoyed that. It does seem like something that really does have legs forever. It's there's always could be a new mystery with a whole new cast with the central Ms. Marple figure to bring it forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's actually one of my, my possible trips one of these days is the uh the exterior for that uh mansion is is about an hour and a half away from here. Oh, nice. Yeah. You're going to drive an hour and a half to look at a mansion that was in a movie? Wow, you haven't been paying attention to Andy's you, speed not, at all. Do you not know me? <laughs> I might clearly not well enough. I might drive an hour and a half to see the, the, uh, the uh, John Oliver sewage treatment plant. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate that very much. Someone needs to hire him a clown or a hooker or something. <laughs> Or a clown hooker. A clown hooker. Clown. There we go. We'll send him a clown hooker. It'll really confuse his dad. I have this terrible picture of this clown with, like, fishnets with the glasses hanging right at the end of his nose visiting Andy and Andy, like, into it. Oh, God. (laughs) And and while the clown is blowing Andy, you just keep hearing the nose. Oh, that does it for me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to say, as you were saying that, I'm watching him get excited on the screen here. Okay. <laughs> it, was, it was good up until the, the honking nose, and that was it, man. That took me over the edge. <laughs> that, that, that's the word around the clown hooker community, Andy. Uh, yeah. The honking nose puts him right over the edge. Does this taste funny? Uh, geek shock. We're still discovering our kinks. And like a and like a uh, a ball gag balloon animal <laughs> or something. Like that. <laughs> put it over your head. Now put that in your mouth. There you go. Don't apologize. For what? Everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, a clown hooker that's also a dominatrix. Andy would be in heaven. <laughs> yes, Mistress like Clown. Glasses down the nose. <laughs> yes, Mistress Clown. <laughs> <laughs> Todd, that has to be our episode title. <laughs> I don't know. I'm already kind of siding with ball gag balloon animal. That's uh... <laughs> Yeah, that, that, that one's pretty good. That one's pretty good. Aww. Have you heard of Pennywise? I'm Penny Whore, the other whore. <laughs> well, the dominatrix is pound foolish. Oh, yes. 
They're a team. <laughs> They're a team. Pennywise and Pound Foolish. <laughs> Would you like they to just keep coming out of the car? It's just an endless line of them. I can't wait for the trampoline to figure in. Okay. (laughs) Moving right along. (laughs) Sucker Punch Productions game, The Ghost of Tsushima. What? 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 There's so much in that sentence. What? (laughs) Excellent segue. Thank you, Andy. Now, everyone, I don't know if Andy, if you caught that, uh, Andy is looking up clown porn. Yeah. Oh, clown ditch porn. There's so much of don't, it. Don't do it, Andy. <laughs> Whatever you do, Andy, don't try to go porn for for those two clown, those two girl clowns from Killer Clowns from Outer Space. No. I, I, I just don't, don't that do that, that. That would be a rabbit hole. Andy would get down, lost down. I mean. Next week, we'd be like, where's Andy at? He's down the rabbit hole of clown porn. Did you not learn your lesson for your phone after looking up the macro clitoris in my backyard? <laughs> now, that's that was, a sentence to unpack. I, that was actually Kay's phone. What we looked up yeah. in your backyard was vajazzling. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, never mind. Mm-hmm. I'll let that yeah. go. In large clitoris. That was, uh, man, I couldn't get that out of my, uh, my history for the longest time. It just... What were we talking about? Oh, yeah, Todd, you had a piece of news. Sucker Punch's production's game, The Ghost of Tsushima, is being made into a movie. Sony Pictures and PlayStation Productions are developing the film, which will be helmed by John Wick 4 director Chad Stalski. The game was the fastest-selling first-party original IP debut on the PS4 last year, with more than 2.4 million units of the game sold globally within the first three days it went on sale. It has since crossed the 6.5 million mark worldwide. The game sees players step in the role of Jin Sakai, a samurai who is the last surviving member of his clan fighting against the invasion of the Mongols led by their leader, Kodun Khan. Unable to rely on his traditional samurai training and fighting techniques to defend his people and free what remains of his family from under Khan's occupation, Jin must learn and take on other forms of combat so that he can finally save Tsushima. Stalski will also serve as producer on the film, along with Alex Young and Jason Spitz. Meanwhile, Peter Kang will oversee the project on the behalf of Sucker Punch Productions, who will also executive produce on the project. This is the third project to come out of Sony Pictures and PlayStation Productions' partnership with the Tom Holland starting Uncharted, set to be released next year on February 11th, and The Last of Us, having found its leads in Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey and showrunner in Craig Mazin. Other games that are currently being adapted include the critically acclaimed Firewatch and the Borderlands franchise. So, Ghost of Tsushima, when I was playing it, wonderful open-world game, could definitely be made into a fantastic uh, AAA pick. It's got everything you want in that whole the 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 code of the samurai and whether to break that in the name of justice. It's 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 what you want in in a samurai pick. Bushido. All right. Uh, bless you. You're blessed. <laughs> Starting in October. Marvel Comics will no longer be distributed by Diamond. 
but rather through Penguin Random House Publisher Services. Comic stores will be able to order directly through Penguin Random House or Diamond as a wholesaler in the U.S. and U.K. Uh, Graphic novels and trade collections will still be distributed to the book market through Hachette Book Group. One of the things being touted as a positive is that Penguin Random House is a free freight company, quote, allowing retailers to simplify their business models while alleviating the volatility and complexity of reducing freight costs and planning. Through many of Penguin Random House's standard offerings, like its rapid replenishment program for graphic novels and advanced supply chain, direct market retailers will experience more flexibility to manage inventory and stock their stores to best serve their customers, unquote. Uh, so, yes, uh, Marvel stepping out of Diamond as well. Hmm, this, it, it, it's Yeah, it's a truly a new era in comics. Uh, I mean, the last time that Marvel did this, it was a shit show, but they were relying on a huge company like Random House. So there is that. Right, they were right. trying to wing it last time. And the, if you're not familiar with the Free Freight Company, if you're not Free Freight... If something happens to your order in shipment before it arrives, like it's damaged, it's you who has to deal with it as the person that ordered it. With the free freight, it's the opposite, that until it comes into your hands, it is the responsibility of the uh, distribution company. So that's what that whole free freight thing is about, Hmm. which which only makes sense. I can't believe that non-free freight is a thing. Kind of a comic book nerd, not a lot. But I'm enough of one to where I get all my. I don't. I don't buy comics, but I buy trades. So I don't. I don't. How does that affect people who just buy trades? Not a whole I, lot because most of those are being distributed by Hachette anyway. Yeah. So okay. it's this really only affects the single issue stuff. I I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm not a good comic book nerd. But I just I I don't like the single issue stuff. I, I like to display mine spine out. I yeah I'm I'm with you. I like to wait, uh, especially if I know it's going to be an ongoing series. I like to wait until they compile it into the trade. So more for the convenience of reading, instead of having to buy all the individual issues, bag them and board them. I'm just past that point, I guess, as well, far as my collecting. Point, the price point has changed so much too. I mean. Well, that too, but um, I also like, like Barry, I like to put them on the shelf so that you have the, the spine and you can, if you want to go back and reread something, you can easily find it oh, instead of having to go through boxes and boxes and boxes, uh, long boxes to try to find, uh, uh, you know, the collection that you're looking for. Well, that's your own damn fault for not alphabetizing and numbering. That's, that's easy oh. to find if you've organized your shit. Yeah, yeah well. You can't see it easily. It's not displayable. I had a friend who borrowed a whole bunch of the Authority from me, and the Authority was a great series. I think it was Wildstorm. I don't know. And then lost them in a move or something, and I got so pissed. And he's like, all right, well, I'll make it up to you. I was like, all right, fine. So he meets me, and he hands me a bunch of Wildstorm, a bunch of the Authority in individual issues. And I'm like, well, fuck, dude. I I, I, I was thankful. I was like, hey, thank you for making it up. I didn't say anything. And he doesn't listen to this podcast, so I don't give a shit. But I, I really wanted them in trades, you know? I want to display my shit. So they sit in a box somewhere in this house. I don't even know where it is. And it's been sitting there for five, six years, and I'm never going to display them 
because they're in a box. I don't give a yeah. shit. I'm I'm more of a trades fan. Sorry. Yeah, no, me too. Although I have plenty of stuff in box. Oh, I got a few, but that was from before I discovered how awesome trades were. And I never bought a single issue again. I wanted trades before there were trades. I, I don't... Yeah, I mean, before there were trades, I was like, I wish there was some... I wish these were more in a book form so I could read it all the whole story at once, but then they became a thing. Oh, so it's your fault. Which genie did you wish upon? The, the one with the light brown hair? Jesus. <laughs> God. <laughs> Kirsten, what's your thing with trades and, and uh, individual issues? Because you're more of a comic nerd than I am. I lose out because great, great little stories come out and I'm like, I'll wait for the trade. And then I totally forget about it and I never buy it. And then, uh, you know, two years later, Andy or Todd mention it on the cast. And I'm like, oh, I meant to get the trade to that. And then I forget again. And so I just, yeah, I got Knights of the Dinner Table and that's it. Well, Knights of the Dinner Table, that's got a lot of different trades, but those trades are weird. They're not like thick, yeah. thick ended. The ones that I miss out on are like the smaller Millarver stuff, like mm. MPH, where it just goes for like three, four issues and you're done. So he could try to sell movies. Yeah, really. It it's uh, yeah, and you know, I don't know. I'm torn. A couple of years ago, FX announced that they were developing a limited series based on the classic 1975 samurai novel Shogun. The network has announced that they are moving forward with it. Justin Marks, who did uh, Jungle Book, Saved, and Top Gun Maverick, and Rachel Kondo will be bringing the series to life with producer Tim Van Patten. Yes, that Tim Van Patten, who is a director who did uh, Sopranos, Game of Thrones, Boardwalk Empire, The Pacific, Perry Mason. So he is also on board. The series was described as being as epic and gritty as Game of Thrones. Shogun was written by James Clavill, and the story is set in feudal Japan and, quote, charts the collision of two ambitious men from different worlds and a mysterious female samurai. John Blackthorne, a risk-taking English sailor who ends up shipwrecked in Japan, a land whose unfamiliar culture will ultimately redefine him. Lord Terunaga, a shrewd, powerful daimyo at odds with his own dangerous political rivals, and Lady Mariko, a woman with invaluable skills but dishonorable family ties who must prove her value and allegiance. So, yeah, FX is moving forward with Shogun. Uh, did mm. anybody watch that uh, miniseries back in the, what, early 80s? Yeah. Well, that was back before, uh, you know, video. So if you miss parts, you miss parts. So I saw parts of it. I think that was my first beheading on screen. Oh. Ooh. I, I never saw beheading until I saw Shogun. So mm. it's probably around the third grade. What did you pee on that time? <laughs> <laughs> London's Royal Opera House announced this month that it will host a ballet performance inspired by 1982's Jim Henson classic, The Dark Crystal. What? Entitled Dark Crystal Odyssey, the family-friendly show is being choreographed and directed by Wayne McGregor, a famed choreographer known for his work on such projects as Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Uh, Jim Henson's Creature Shop is providing both props and puppets to the stage production. Brian and Wendy Froud, both of whom worked on the original film's designs, also have a hand in the operation. Known for its extensive use of practical puppetry, The Dark Crystal was a flop upon its initial release, but gained a massive cult following in the decades since. 
Over the last 39 years, it spawned comics, novels, video games, and several other pieces of media. An Age of Resistance, a prequel series directed by Louis Lettier, who did The Incredible Hulk and Now You See Me, premiered on Netflix in 2019. The Dark Crystal Odyssey won't be the only fantasy epic to hit live theater. Uh, George R.R. R. Martin revealed a Game of Thrones stage play that explores key moments in Westeros history. So, yes, Dark Crystal the Ballet, or Dark Crystal Odyssey, as it's officially called, with I Jim Henson Muppets. I can't wait to not see that. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> I, I was I was very very much weighing whether this which category this should be in, but I think it was the fact that the creature shop is involved that sold me on caring about it. Yeah, the I'm, creature I'm... shop is pretty good. The the Age of Resistance did good job there. It, 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 the the problem with with the Age of Resistance was the story itself was fucking crap. But yeah, uh, I'm not watching that. <laughs> well, is it? I mean, did I miss something? Isn't it just, it's not being done as a, something you can see on TV. No, no, what, 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 what he is saying is he is not going to fly out to London to go watch this performance. I, what I'm saying is I have as much interest in that as I do in Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. Which I would also really love to see. I knew you would. Joe and Anthony Russo will reteam with Avengers Endgame writers Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely for an adaption of Simon Stallenhag's dystopian graphic novel, The Electric State. The 2018 source material is characterized as a, quote, reimagined low-tech apocalyptic mid-90s vision of the American West with stunning visual artwork, unquote. Millie Bobby Brown has already been cast in the project about a young girl who bonds with a robot sent by her missing brother. Together, she and the robot embark on an adventure in 1997 through a, quote, imaginative world of humans mixing with all manner of robots, uncovering a grand conspiracy in the process, writes Deadline. A production is expected to begin at the end of 2021 or the start of 2022. Andy and Barbara Muschietti, both known for two adaptations of Stephen King's It, are on board as producers. Andy was originally going to direct Electric State before taking on the job of Warner Brothers' upcoming Flash movie. So Electric State is coming by Joe and Anthony Russo. You said West. You were talking about, like, West versus East. You weren't, it was like an old West thing. It takes place 20, 10, 20 years ago, is that right? A reimagined, low-tech, apocalyptic, mid-90s vision of the American West. You got as much as I do out of that. Okay, so, but when you say American West, you mean... that? I don't know what I mean. I'm, I'm quoting right. what they're telling me. <laughs> <laughs> if you said American West, I immediately went to the Wild West. But Well, that's your hang-up, but you also did clowns. And you guys don't? What? <laughs> that's universal. Hank! Hank! <laughs> I mean, if they're done right. <laughs> they do you right <laughs> Jesus Christ <laughs> the, the theme of this show <laughs> Video games are the biggest Screen entertainment business in the world no. But Success brings crime What's reportedly the quote World's biggest alleged game cheating ring Has been broken up by law enforcement with police in China busting an operation estimated to have taken in more than $76 million in illegal revenue. 
BBC News reports that Chinese gaming giant Tencent, which owns League of Legends maker Riot Games, and is a majority shareholder in big name games like Player Unknown Battlegrounds, Fortnite, Call of Duty Mobile, and more, worked with police in China to shut down a massive online service that allegedly sold cheats to players for a monthly subscription fee. The service was called Chicken Drumstick and reportedly <laughs> traded cheats for fees. Oh, I'm so sad it got broken up because that's amazing. I love that. <laughs> and reportedly traded cheats for fees of up to $200 per month to enable players to get a leg up on popular global titles like Overwatch and Call of Duty Mobile. While, wow. it's, not the, while it's not the first time Chinese police have taken down an alleged gang of perpetrators taking advantage of the burgeoning cheat scene, BBC reports it's the biggest to date. In addition to the $76 million in reported cheat revenues, the bust also yielded an asset seizure complete with several luxury cars estimated at $46 million. Don't the understand that. Right? Don't the crackdown it. took out an alleged rings operators and their hardware, arresting 10 people and destroying, quote, 17 cheats, which presumably means computer servers. Uh, BBC cites a 2019 survey that found an approximate one-third of gamers admitting that they use cheats to gain an advantage in the competitively high-stakes online gaming arena, while also noting the resolve of Tencent and other big gaming companies to keep the esports playing field level with stepped-up enforcement. A 2018 Bloomberg report revealed earlier collaborative operations between Tencent and Chinese police had netted 120 arrests, some leading to jail time for cheat makers who allegedly had been selling easy mode shortcuts like auto-targeting or wall-penetrating x-ray vision. Jesus Christ. I don't understand esports. I don't understand the draw. I don't get it. Uh, how could they not understand that this, this they could be cheated very easily by a group that was uh, dedicated to it? It, it? it would take a lot. It would be a lot easier to cheat in esports than it would in real sports. I am not saying that real sports are any better. I don't give a shit about sports, you know me. But, oh my god, why? Why, why, why? This is why I don't like competitive online games other than, like, pinball. By the way, where's my fucking pinball tournament? Um, uh, I, I don't get it. Play single player. It's where it's at. Aside from the, obviously, jaw-dropping financial stake in this story uh, the thing that jumped out of me is that 2019 survey that one third of gamers admitting that they use cheats to gain advantage in competitive competitive online gaming arenas not surprised not it, surprised not at all i'm surprised I, and i shouldn't be i guess it's so it's gross it's yeah. just so gross to me people suck if you're listening to this podcast, I'm sorry. I'm sure you're wonderful, but chances are you suck. Uh, <laughs> Geek Shock does not avow the words uh, of Barry Rob. Nope. Barry Rob's nope. opinions are his own. Nope, Torgo sucks. He's and, one and, of the ones that sucks. And Geek Shock thinks that you are wonderful, wonderful people. The Shock Monkeys rule, Barry sucks, and that's just the uh, how it works. Vork right. says, odds are you suck. That's all it is. <laughs> So, okay, okay, obviously, Geek Shock people are probably cooler than most. Honestly, no <laughs> bullshit. You probably are. But Listen to him try to dig out of that hole. 
I'm not trying to dig out. I mean, it's true. You're probably better, but chances are you suck because people suck. <laughs> Everyone sucks. Person <laughs> sucks. Andy Title sucks. Of your book. Gunter sucks. Matt Everybody. sucks because I can't see him right now in the video. Pennywise, Pennywise and Pound Foolish suck if you play your cards right. That, Everybody that, sucks by awesome. Barry Rob. <laughs> Everyone sucks. That's my. That's name my. That's name of my Kiss cover band. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone that's in the band wears clown outfits and they're all chicks so it's all good and finally Seth (laughs) MacFarlane is set to produce a reboot of the 80s comedy Revenge of the Nerds for 20th Century Studios what? why? why? The first one was perfect. Leave it alone. Ooh, I don't know about perfect. Uh, I don't know. The first one kind of has a rape scene in it. I mean, it's a, and it's a positive. Does it? Rape Did I just scene. black that out? Yeah. It, uh, it doesn't hold up very well today, Barry. Nope, it doesn't. Uh, I guess uh, I guess not. Oh, I'm wrong. Okay. He will be developing the film with Keith and Kenny Lucas, the identical twin brothers who appeared in 22 Jump Street. They will co-write the film with Alex Rubens, who worked on The Twilight Zone, Key and Peele, and Rick and Morty, and they will also star in it. The 80s raunchy comedy followed a group of college nerds who quarrel with a jock fraternity known as the Alpha Betas. The movie starred Robert Carradine, Anthony Edwards, Ted McGinley, and Bernie Casey. The movie ended up spawning several sequels. This new film will not be a remake of the original, but it will be a contemporary reimagining that will, quote, pontificate about today's nerd culture and what even constitutes a geek in the 21st century, unquote. I wonder uh, if Carradine's going to do a cameo. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, this isn't the first time the studio has tried to reboot the film. In 2006, 20th Century Fox was developing one, but the studio ultimately shut the project down after two weeks of production. So it was already in production when they shut that one down. I didn't realize they'd made it that far with that one. Yeah, I didn't either. Wow. So I, I, I'm, I'm down for this reimagined modern what is a geek Revenge of the Nerds kind of thing. I think that's, I think it's worth exploring. Uh, I don't think so. It, it's you don't like, think so? No, because at the time it was sort of the beginning of the turning the term nerd positive at this point it's now it's got some baggage yeah oh i mean andy even as much as we like to celebrate the fact that nerd and geek culture has become much more accepted in our current day and age there's still a lot of people bullied and basically talked down to for being nerds in society so I think if it's a well-written script, it could work amazingly. If it's but done it well. Could, <laughs> it, could, it could also fail if, spectacularly. If it's written good, it'll be good. Yeah. So, Imagine no. that, right? If it's written good, it's good. <laughs> but uh, with Seth Bahar- McFarlane behind it, I think it's got potential. Because he's a big yeah, nerd himself. That's, that's, the, that's the only thing that I see that gives it much potential. But it sounds like a buggy whip movie to me. A what movie? A buggy whip movie. I mean, it's, help me out. <laughs> it's it's outdated technology. It's just talking about something that doesn't exist in that form anymore, as if it was a major thing. Yeah. Now, nerd culture exists. It's just a matter of the context of it, Andy. I think. 
Right. Uh, even if it's mainstream, even if it's accepted, nerd culture does exist. So Sure, it exists, but it's not... It, the Revenge of the Nerds was... The, the good parts of it were about punching up, was about people that had been downtrodden taking over things. And uh, they did that, and it's called the world now. Age of the Geek, baby. Age of the Geek. Yeah, but we're also still looked down upon by certain segments of society. So I'm going to go ahead and disagree with you. There are, well, okay, I'm, I'm partially disagreeing. Yes, I agree, Jeff. There are people who still look down on nerds, and, you know, fuck those people. Um, but right. there's there's the other half that, that that I mean, looking at it from, uh, is, you know, I'm a pretty fucking deep nerd, but there are those of us who are very socially inept who carry that stereotype forward and make it worse for the rest of us. Fuck those guys. Um, <laughs> you know, I, so so what side of this do I do I do I land on? And Revenge of the Nerds right now would be a weird weird thing i don't i don't i don't know how how it would look i don't i don't understand how i don't i don't understand who would be the villains in that i really don't um other than it it would have to be where the nerds are like the super socially inept nerds and the villains would be the stereotypical jocks which yes those do exist which which sounds like the original revenge of the nerds yeah because but, the original Revenge of the Nerds, it wasn't like that. These are mainstream geeks. No, that they were the socially inept. Exactly what you're describing. Yeah, th- there, there was... weren't there weren't mainstream geeks at the time the movie was out. I, I realize that, but yeah. the the movie that Barry is currently describing is that original film. Yeah, but if you set it in modern times, there's a whole lot of people who identify with the geeks. So it's not. They're not as underdog, yeah, as as the original geeks were, and that movie's not going to have enough oomph. And yes, by the way, I just looked up the thing with the rape scene. It wasn't a rape scene, but it was like cringy as fuck. And uh, they, even the guy said, uh, "Yeah, they, they redo it differently." So whatever, I get it. But that it was, aside, it was a rape scene. It was you know, it it was it was uh, uh, rape through trickery, but you know. And uh, she yeah. seemed to like it. That was the thing about you know uh, sex at that time. You if if you if you raped the girl and she liked it, it was okay. And yeah, it's, like, it's super, super yeah. cringe. Not uh, good. It's, it's gross. Yeah. Anyway, yep. we, we can move on from that. Obviously, we but... can. We're gonna move on to red light, green light. Thank you. Yes. Red light, green light. Such a fun game to play. All right, gentlemen, we got four more pitches here that we're going to go through. My understanding that one or more of these are not a real pitch. But each one of you gets one green light. So your shows are Rendezvous with Rama, National Treasure, Ginger Snaps, and Weird spelled with a Y. Hmm. And we'll start with the first one. Paramount Plus is developing Rendezvous with Rama as a series. Based on the Hugo and Nebula award-winning novel series by Arthur C. Clarke, the series focuses on a group of human explorers who intercept a seemingly derelict alien craft. 
Here's a description from the book. An enormous cylindrical object has entered Earth's solar system on a collision course with the sun. A team of astronauts are sent to explore the mysterious craft which the denizens of the solar system name Rama. What they find is astonishing evidence of a civilization far more advanced than ours. They find an interior stretching over 50 kilometers, a forbidding cylindrical sea, mysterious and inaccessible buildings, and strange machine-animal hybrids or biots that inhabit the ship. But what they don't find is an alien presence. So who and where are the Ramans? Often listed as... uh, (laughs) A soup-based life. What the hell? <laughs> Kirsten's uh, face. That's uh, that. That sounds different when you say it out loud. Mute his face. It's life, Jim, but not as we know it. <laughs> well, just, just just add water. They'll be fine. <laughs> Often listed as one of Clark's finest novels, Rendezvous with Rama won numerous awards, including the Hugo, the Nebula, the Jupiter, and the British Science Fiction Awards. Terry Metalis of 12 Monkeys and Night Flyers fame will serve as writer and showrunner. That is Rendezvous with Rama. Next up, Disney is working on a new live-action National Treasure series bound for Disney+. Plus. The show will be led by all-new character Jess Morales, a young Latina woman with her own close-knit circle of family and friends. The new National Treasure series is described as a reimagining of its big-screen counterparts and has been given a 10-episode order. The show comes from producer-director Jerry Bruckheimer, the same name behind the National Treasure films, and he'll reportedly be producing. Joining Bruckheimer will be the original National Treasure film co-writers Marianne and Cormac Wiberly for a series that explores the timely issues of identity, community, historical authorship. Aimed from Jess's point of view, the show will follow the exploits of the 20-year-old dreamer as she sets off with her friends on the adventure of a lifetime to uncover her mysterious family history and recover lost treasure. Mira Nair who did Vanity Fair, is reportedly set to direct the series. That is National Treasure. I noticed Shit. there is no there's no mention of Nicolas Cage in there. Correct. Right? You are correct, sir. Mm. Ginger Snaps is getting its own series. The Sister and Werewolf Tale spawned a pair of sequels and is now headed to TV. Original creator-director John Fawcett, who also did Orphan Black, executive Uh, producing while Anna Semuyaba writes. The series will follow main characters Ginger and Bridget on their quest to escape their hometown or die trying. One of them is a werewolf. Next up is weird. (laughs) Is it it a secret which one's which? Werewolf? For sure. In the movie, not so much, so I assume not. Uh, next up is Weird. Matthew Rise, the, who did The Americans and Perry Mason, is starring in a developing detective drama at FX based on Doc Horse's comics, Weird. Weird is a collaboration between FX Productions, 20th Century Television, Vendetta Productions, and Up in the Air's Sheldon Turner, who's also writing. Uh, Rees and Kerry Russell will help executive produce the series with Dark Horse. Debuting in 2019 as a four-issue limited run, 
Weird has been billed as a James Bond meets the X-Files series that follows mercenary detective Peter Weird, a P.I. who never ages and appears to be invincible to ordinary dangers. Quote, there are problems, cases too strange for U.S. law enforcement to solve. According to Dark Horse's comics description, Peter Weird is the one who solves them for a fee, of course. An unaging, invincible detective with a penchant for the strange. Weird is the one the government calls when things go very badly and very strange, unquote. So there you have it. Rendezvous with Rama, National Treasure, Ginger Snaps, and Weird. Barry, where do you lay your green light? I will tell you what I don't. Uh, and I'm not even going to do the fun accent. I, I'll tell you where I don't want to uh, to lay my green light. National Treasure is getting a solid red light. Because if, it, if they're not continuing from National Treasure 2, I don't want to see it. The president in that uh, clearly gave Nick Cage some stuff to look at. And that's what I want to see. Uh, it was it, it was it was obvious that there was going to be a third movie, and there hasn't been, and I'm pissed off about that because I really enjoyed the National Treasure movies, and right. for them to do some some spinoff thing with someone else, and I don't care about that story. Yeah, I don't care. No, red light. Uh, rendezvous. I'm sorry. I'm I'm. It may have been the presenter's fault here, uh, but I'm stuck <laughs> on that being clown porn. Um, Ginger Snaps, I've <laughs> yeah, it's where it is. Ginger Snaps, I saw the original horror film and it was fun. I I don't think it needs a reboot. I don't I don't I don't I'm not interested in in a in a werewolf film, and I don't think the audiences will be either. Weird sounds interesting. I have never heard of this uh, graphic novel or whatever it was, comic. I think. Uh, I I think I might green light that 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 that's got enough of a hook for me. So I'm putting my green light on weird, and I'm calling bullshit on National Treasure. Matt, where'd you lay your green light? I gotta go with Rendezvous with Ramen. That's where I'm <laughs> gonna put my green light right there. Uh, I agree with you, Ginger Snaps. Uh, no desire to see that National Treasures. I like Barry. Want to see the continuation with Jujitsu Star Nicholas Cage. <laughs> and uh, the other one, weird. I don't know. I'm not really sold on that. So I'm going to go with Ramen or Rendezvous with Rama. Jeff, where do you lay your green light? I'm also going to go with Rendezvous with Rama. Um, I like Arthur C. Clarke. I've read uh, several of his novels when I was back in uh, grade school and high school. Um, fr- frankly, this sounds really familiar, so I probably read it, but. I went on a big Arthur C. Clarke binge for a while, so there's several books of his that I read, and they all kind of fused together, so I have to now kind of go back and pick apart the the different novels to see if it's like something I actually read or just thought I read. Yeah, it's just the one that interests me the most out of this list. Andy, where do you lay your green light? Well, I confess I'm a little confused about Weird. I, I seem to remember there being a comic book called Weird, and I don't remember being that. I remember being more of a space opera thing. Uh, I'm picturing a, like Mike Grell or somebody artwork. But the W-Y-R-D? W-Y-R-D. Yeah, that's, how that's it's the spelled. spelling of this. Yeah. But that's what I remember. I remember there being a different book by that. I, I, I had to resist Googling that. 
but the that sounds the most interesting to me of the th- of them all. Kirsten, where do you put your green light? Yeah, ginger snaps, national trip. Uh, you know, I, I no offense against what they're trying to do, but uh, why do national treasure without Nicolas Cage? I don't know. Um, and ginger snaps uh, that has a great possibility as a porn title, but um. <laughs> Weird is a very, very close second for me. I actually like the sound of that. But Rendezvous with Rama, um, actually, that one I'm going to give my green light to because that sounds interesting. That sounds cool. It's definitely some sci-fi history there. Let's get it on the screen. It's going to be a TV treatment. Get what it deserves. And then, of course, we can you know do the porn version, noodling Uranus. But... <laughs> um, they're going to have yeah. to rename the Rendezvous with Rama, though, if they do that. Because that name is just... Ugh. Well, that's, that's like renaming tw- 2001 A Space Odyssey. It's, it's an established sci-fi classic. So? So you don't... Barry doing up a... the intellectual argument. So? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, beat that one, motherfuckers. So? <laughs> You're you're gonna alienate the people who are watching it because it's classic because you've changed the name alone. That right there is a warning sign. So, so it's <laughs> is it gonna make it? Uh... See how it works? It just it's great, man. Yeah, I know. I've I've argued with three year olds before. <laughs> <laughs> I do what I want. <laughs> uh, why? Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so green light, Rendezvous with Rama. All right, so that is the winner. Green light goes to Rendezvous with Rama, and we're keeping the goddamn name. Boo. So, what do you think is the fake one? Barry. As the author of the fake one from last time, and by the way, I will have you know that Todd edited my thing and took out the part where I had Nicolas Cage starring in the Minecraft one. I call bullshit on National Treasure, and whoever said that National Treasure should be in there, fuck you, without putting in Nicolas Cage in. That, that was me. I didn't yeah. say it should be. I said it will be. Yeah. So, Andy, where do you, which one did you say you think was fake? Honestly, I think Rendezvous with Rama. I think Rendezvous with Rama is fake. You son of a bitch. God damn it. <laughs> Matt, what do you think's fake? I got to go with National Treasures. That's the fake one. Even though it's probably happening, I don't want it to happen. So fake vibe out there. It's got to be fake. Fake, fake, fake. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff, which is fake? Honestly, I think weird is fake because I know how people like to uh, put crazy names in uh, in their pitches to try to trip you up. Um, <laughs> but uh, honestly, uh, it's because it sounds like it's probably one of the more unique ones presented here. And it seems like our monkeys have a, a, a better touch with the things that we would be interested in than these big studios these days. So that's just my this take on it. This is the crowd that's interested in clown porn. Really? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> and Kirsten, what do you think's fake? Uh, I'm going to go with Rendezvous with Rama. It sounds too good to be true. It sounds like it'd be a really great series, which, of course, lately with these things, if it sounds really good, it's the fake one. <laughs> So, <laughs> once again, you are correct. K Rendezvous with Rama is the fake. That means that we are. That was sent to us by Chris, the Micro Scoop. 
Damn it. And that means that National Treasure, Ginger Snaps, no. and Weird are all in production. No. Why are they doing National Treasure? No. In I'm fact, so... the National Treasure is the one that's furthest along of all of these. No. <laughs> are we never going to get to figure out what was on page whatever of the president's secret book? Nope. Nope. <laughs> Fuck off. And, Listen, and I'm thank- pretty sure... I'm pretty sure Trump tweeted it somewhere. You'll find it. (laughs) (laughs) And thank you, Chris, the Microscoop, for sending in that pitches, bitches. And if you've got a pitch that you want to send to us, uh, write to us, comments at uglycountshow.com. Put pitches, bitches in the subject title. And if you don't want me to edit it, please tell me so. And And if you would like an email (laughs) at vanilla sluts love chocolate dick, feel free to write me at Actually, just write Todd And then I will do get not, it done Don't write Todd That is all <laughs> no, no, Do it Do it and he'll send it to me And I will give you an email I will legit give you an email address At vanillaslutslovechocoladick.com This va- offer valid Only until the very next show And until that show, I am Master Torgo 80's Jeff Commander K. Fact check Dandy. Maple Leaf Matt. Dr. Vlarg. And we'll talk to you next week in Geek. All right, Vlarg. You 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 what pinball table do you want for Ooh. a pinball? Ooh. Tournament? How about one of the Bethesda tables? Those are fun. They are pretty eh. fun. I will you say. Can't. Not the Skyrim table, because that's like a continuation thing. It's so weird. That's the thing with the Bethesda tables is that uh, they they are kind of role playing games in their own right. I don't know. Pick one. I'll buy it. It's all good. <laughs> well, he that's can't afford it, any right? of those tables because his cam- he can't even afford a, a webcam that can focus. Oh, that's true. No, he's talking yeah. about you, Dick. Yes, because apparently I lost my job. <laughs> <laughs> your job and your job. focus. Just pick a table, I'll buy it, we'll be all good. Nothing well, to be fair, he's never had focus. True. Well, what I think we'll do is we'll throw it out to the monkeys uh, to suggest onto a poll, because it's a matter of how many people own a table. That's fine. We just so I, think, think, we'll... I, think, I think I just crave something to compete with you against. Now that you've lost your job, you've got plenty of time on your hands. This is my damn job! That was okay, very maternal of you, Barry, licking your thumb and wiping it. <laughs> I learned from yeah. my mom. They hate when my mom did that. It's like, stop! Jeffrey! <laughs> You've made me dirtier. <laughs> if that's possible. Yeah, I hate it when Jeff's mom would lick me, too. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> Gentlemen, you should not have too much gin because it's bad for your prostate, apparently. Is it? Yes, that's what I've heard. I mean, feel free to Google it and prove me wrong, but that's what I've heard, so I take it in moderation. Well, gin is just flavored vodka, so it's... that's Juniper-flavored vodka, that is the definition of gin. Yeah, right. basically, yeah. I just Googled uh, Barry's uh, prostate, and I don't like it at all. <laughs> uh, I mean, at the end, in the book, at the end of every chapter, you're like, oh, well, they're going to get... Get that guy now. What's up? What's that? <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> it's a dog. It was the puppy. Wow. <laughs> I got it in here with me.
going nuts right now. Uh huh. <laughs> uh, folks, if you do suffer from diarrhea, make sure to get the new Presley cheese. Presley cheese <laughs> will bind you right up and make your stool hard again, and you won't have to worry about diarrhea ever again. It'll and be Quilla. a hunk of hunk of burning crap. By the way, uh, we are looking at remodeling and expanding our current house. We heard about that. That's why we were really upset about the job loss. <laughs> how did that start? I'll tell you how it, it started. Was just, it was just Jeff mentioning that you were looking for a new job. He didn't say you lost your job. He said, you know, Barry and I were talking about Patreon stuff for Geek Shock and things, but he's really busy now. Right now, he's looking for a new job. Uh, da, 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 da. And then uh, Matt, completely innocuous. Matt. No, it yeah. was the tone. It was the tone. And now that he's looking for it a new job. It had nothing to do with my tone. And it just spiraled <laughs> out of control because you guys are just a shower of assholes. I got it. Well, once, 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 uh, once, <laughs> once Jeff came back and he's like, okay, apparently I've got an issue of clarification here because some people misunderstood me. That's when I was like, oh, shit, I got to send Barry a text. And that's that's what then started the second wave. Yeah, because I like got your your text message while we were recording. And I'm like, ah, oh, geez, who's who texted him or something? And no, 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 no one texted him. Someone texted Deb. <laughs> and then in a roundabout way, I got back to Barry. And I'm just sitting there. I'm playing my game. And, and Deb walks in. She's like, hey, I heard you lost your job. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? What do you know that I don't? Todd said that he had texted to uh, say he was sorry that you lost your job and apparently that's what set it off so I didn't know that he texted Deb <laughs> oh no Paulette texted Deb oh right next to me when, when this is going down <laughs> they got to me and then I'm like oh, what yeah. I didn't know about that part Deb coming in hey I heard you lost your job. <laughs> what? I can I can actually hear the way she says it too, almost in that semi-accusatory tone. Like, oh, you yeah. didn't tell me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Am I right, God. Barry? The studio released the following statement. According to the report, the decision to shelve the movie was made as uh, Warner Brothers. That sentence makes no fucking sense. All right. Are you having a stroke? <laughs> is this what's happening? Pre-show stroke. It's a stroke he had while I was writing it. My, oh. my life is a series of small strokes. <laughs> Netflix. <laughs> you got to get your Netflix. Sunker. And there's the stroke. Well, that's his, that's his favorite clown hooker, Strokey the Clown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it, it, it's Sucker Punch and Judy. <laughs> oh, my. That's another team. Uh-oh. <laughs> Andy only likes it in teams. They've got those big slap gloves on. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Sucker Punch comes in glitter. That's so hard to clean up. (laughs) (sighs) We are the number one clown porn podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yay? Well, if you're going to be known, all right, let's talk about clown porn. There's not enough (laughs) clown porn in the world.
I while we were doing this, I looked it up too, and man, there's some just. What's wrong with you guys? <laughs> Why aren't you looking at it? Oh my! Ugh. Rough shit out there, man. <laughs> like helium play? Is our whole section on helium play, or what? <laughs> <laughs> man, I am seeing some gross shit right now. Just the on the little screen. <laughs> the trick is to put the squeaky nose inside the head of the condom. Where am I hearing that noise from? Oh, it's inside you. Okay. <laughs> and then, Jeff, there's that one clown that puts the condom over his head and inflates it. <laughs> oh, Howie Mandel, yeah. No, the worst part about it is, uh, j- just from a cursory glance, mind you, it's... It's not the pretty people doing it. No. <laughs> no. It's the low rent shit. Like low rent cl- clown porn is my uh, mini kiss cover band. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> clown porn. These colors do run. <laughs> oh, yeah. Talk about your rainbow party. Uh, I just have high pitched Peter Stanley going through my head right now. <laughs> Peter Stanley? You mean Paul Stanley? I said Paul Stanley. (laughs) Peter Stanley. Well, that's his porn name. Yeah, right. Now listen. (laughs) Nobody will know it's really me because I changed my makeup and changed my first name to Peter. (laughs) (laughs) Like. Horrible set of images in my head. Mini Kiss playing Love Gun, and in behind them, you've got the people from the Google of clown porn. Oh, God. (laughs) Bury your face. (laughs) What are you seeing? A live action recreation of Plaster Caster? No, I have a second screen on this Google clown porn, and now I'm closing that window and burning this monitor. A couple of years ago, FX not it's going to be every story so here we go gentlemen here are your pitches for what the fuck was that oh it's you yeah you loud bastard that that, that sound i thought that andy like turned on a clown porn video or something (laughs) (laughs) see there it is uh, the hard part for you for you this this week, Todd, is going to be editing out all the clown stuff uh, and making its own clown porn podcast. <laughs> oh, he's oh, not man. editing any of it out, Andy. You're going to have to live with this. <laughs> <laughs> An enormous cylindrical object has entered Earth's solar system on a collision course with the sun. A team of astronauts are sent to explore the mysterious craft which the denizens of the solar system named Rama. When they f- what they find is astonishing evidence of a civilization far more advanced than ours. They find an they find an interior stretching <laughs> What? What's going on? I, 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 I'm distracted because I'm watching Kay lash his ass off. <laughs> And of course, that's given Andy the giggles too. You said cylindrical object, and Andy just started yeah, yeah, dying. Just go, like, no, don't say it. 
Note to self, change cylindrical object to alien object. <laughs> Jesus, joke. <laughs> Sorry, I had, we're at the age I where had to be close duty to turn the microphone off. <laughs> oh, watching Andy die was just great. <laughs> An enormous cylindrical object has entered Earth's solar system. <laughs> no, I can't get through it. <laughs> it definitely sounds dirty now. <laughs> a big round thing has entered Earth's solar system on a collision course with the sun. <laughs> There's no way I can fix it. There's a... <laughs> Power through. Power through. Oh, you just do yeah. you... You know what, Todd? You take charge. You mute. You mute all the microphones. You power through, and then you turn them back on. I'm muting my mic right now until Todd finishes. Nah, you're fine. What am I, Bill O'Reilly? Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> Why is this year unlike every other year? Because it's jujitsu. Yeah, forget it. <laughs> hey, we will cut that out. <laughs> oh, my neighbors be so fucked up tonight. <laughs> <laughs> What? <laughs> his Your neighbors? Nightmares. My, I thought he said, I his thought neighbors. He said neighbors too, but I had <laughs> yeah, to extract uh, Andy's yeah, speech. What? Is leading the series, executive producing, while Anna Simbuyai. <laughs> <laughs> Go give me just, a moment with this one. Just the surrender in that. <laughs> they actually create a